Monday, January 30th, 2019, and you are tuned into the fastest half hour in sports. Welcome back to HTM Sports, as long as this Twitch feed will hold. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but give it up for the man, the myth, the legend, RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that R of the B to the V. Back at my home base, the home studios, as everyone can see her sheet. She had to make an appearance here on hashtag HTM Sports. The one, the only, the queen. The beautiful Charlotte Flair here, rocking her her very own Charlotte jersey. Got to give it up for the Hornets, man. You know, I I used to love the Charlotte Hornets back in the day when it was Muggsy Bogues and Larry Johnson. I love that team. Then they moved to New Orleans, and I just quit caring. I'm going to tell you, I I think my love for them started. I used to be an over-the-top Charlotte Hornets fan, but it mainly came from one of my favorite uh, Nintendo games going back for the uh, well, no, it was for each, each for the uh, the NES, the Super NES, but Tecmo Basketball. I know Tecmo Football gets all the love in the world, but Tecmo Basketball was a hell of a game, man. And on that on that Hornets team, you had Muggsy Bogues, you had Dentless Shrimp, you had Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning. Man, what more could you ask for there? And I always I always used to love you'd post up. You put Muggsy Bogues in at center, and you could smoke anyone on the floor. And with that jumping ability, you just post up down low, and anyone that came inside, you just swatted everything. Love me some techno basketball. Muggsy Bogues, all of about what five foot five, and could dunk like it was nobody's tomorrow. It was absolutely ridiculous. We'll talk a little bit more about the team formerly known as the Charlotte Hornets, or. I don't. I, I, I'm not even trying to keep track of the lineage between the Hornets and the Pelicans anymore. But we'll talk about Anthony Davis here in just a little bit. But Huckleberry, it is Wednesday. It is Super Bowl week. There's a big game on Sunday, and we haven't had a chance to talk about it because Twitch sucked last week. I was going to say we were saving up. Maybe they knew. We just we just wanted to get it all together in one super hashtag HTM Sports. Oh, man, do I got some numbers for you. So let's go ahead. Let's jump into Patriots and Rams and make you all sound smarter standing around the water cooler than you really are. It's going to be New England, the old guard versus the Rams and the new guard. It's it's really being billed as Belichick versus McVay because they're really looking for storylines here and they don't have a whole lot. 96% of all bets laid at the Mirage in Vegas favor New England. New England plus two and a half. Rick, I can't believe this over-under. They have the over-under for this game at 56 and a half points. Have we ever seen a Super Bowl go that high? Not that well, I can it, recall. Well, I mean, look, look at these offenses here. I mean, they're perfectly capable of not even just hit this thing but just going over the top with it here, I'm expecting really a fun shootout between these two. And, and as you were saying, you know, it, you know they've, they've been kind of reaching here, looking for that, that feel-good story and get people kind of really motivated. Going back to the last two, the last time these two teams met the Super Bowl, I mean, you had the grandest of stories. You had the Patriots emerging, you know, after losing their, their Pro Bowl quarterback. Drew Bledsoe. And, uh, and Drew Bledsoe. And you had 9-11, the, the Patriot team rising up. You got the greatest show on turf. You know, on the other side in the Rams, a tremendous story there. And that was a hell of a Super Bowl in itself. I remember even thinking, you know, back then, it's going to be the first, and Madden put it over. It's going to be the first overtime of the Super Bowl ever. And the Patriots didn't hold back. They marched right down there. Vinatieri starts his, you know, his legendary career there, kicking that first huge game winner in a Super Bowl for the Patriots. This time around, like you said, we know we've kind of got the old versus the new, and I'm really digging. I know you got a ton of stats to get through, but I, what I've been enjoying so far is more of this pro wrestling like heat between these two. And you got outright the Rams are just bringing it, talking mass shit 
while the Patriots are just kind of just being those their smug selves and taking those subtle cheap shots coming back at the Rams. When Brady and Gronk let out with that bad boy for life video on Instagram, it instantly became my new favorite thing in the history of the world. Uh, before we jump into stats, let's talk a little bit about Gronkowski. A lot of speculation going on about Gronk. Of course, inside of the pro wrestling world, we would love to have somebody, the, the, the name of Rob Gronkowski and let alone, we all know that he's a huge wrestling fan and with his build, he should have been pro wrestling probably a decade ago. Rick, what do you think of Gronkowski? Is this going to be the last time that we see him on the field? I'm quite certain that it is in a Patriot uniform. But is he going to retire at the end of this season? Yeah, I think it all, you know, like I said at the top, man, I'm I'm expecting the Patriots here. I think they're going to win this thing. And what, you know, what fitting, you know, stage for someone like Gronk, that grand stage to throw that big one last awesome party and ride off into the sunset when it comes to the NFL. And as you pointed out there, there, there is another crew for him. The WWE is ready with open arms to bring him in in whatever capacity he actually wants. They love his energy. Uh, they, they love his attitude. They just, they, hey, they love his real life gimmick. Yeah, and I you mean, know, Mo- Gronk. and Mojo sitting over there on his knees bagging, please. I need something to get back to relevance here. We saw a little bit of him this past week on programming. And I think maybe maybe that's why we saw Mojo here, because you got the Super Bowl. You know, are we going to get a big announcement within the next week that Gronk is retiring and he's going to show up at one of these next big events or something like that for WWE? That's fantastic. I love that tie-in because it's so Vince McMahon. So, Huckleberry, let's kind of walk through the keys of the game. I'm leaning Patriots. You sound like you're leaning Patriots, but now I'm going to make everybody lean Patriots, all right? Because these, to me, this is the keys to the game for the New England Patriots, and it's not Tom Brady. In fact, I'm going to go with Sony Michelle. I think Sony Michelle is the most important guy for the New England Patriots on Sunday. Currently, he is leading the NFL in yards after the catch since 2016. The Rams secondary gives up a whole lot of yards to running backs. In fact, during the NFC Championship game, they gave up 11 receptions for 96 yards to Alvin Kamara, 12 of his 13 targets, one-on-one coverage against the middle linebacker. If the Patriots can get Sony Michelle going and they can get him going early, it's going to be a very long day for the Los Angeles Rams. Well, I think, you know, outside of Sony there, I think the Patriots are going to throw so many darts in their short routes at him. And, you know, and when it comes to the Rams up front, yeah, they're going to bring it. Unfortunately, they're not going to have a lot of time to penetrate that backfield. That ball is going to be gone quick. I think we might even see some of those big guys that are usually breaking down that front wall. They're going to have to start dropping and start trying to, you know, confuse what's going on in those passing lanes. But when it comes to their secondary, they're usually a bend, don't break. You know, they're going to have to play up and press really hard in this game. And it's something we haven't seen from them. You know, on, on many occasions, the Bears kind of employed this kind of strategy against them. And, you know, and the Bears really exposed them on this. You know, granted, that was, you know, in Chicago, in the cold, to the Bears' advantage. But the Patriots are going to execute it much better than we than we've seen from Chicago. Yep, absolutely. The two most important guys for the Los Angeles Rams, of course, Aaron Donald and Indomic and Sue. Between the two of them, they combined for 154 pressures over the course of this season. The Patriots' offensive line gave up 42 pressures. Tom Brady was under pressure 42 times this season. That's it. Only twice in the playoffs, he's been sacked zero times 
it's going to be all about Sue and Donald if the Rams are going to stand a chance in this thing, and it's just not going to happen. Because when Brady is pressured, he's a 71.2 passer rating quarterback. When he's not under pressure, 105.3. If you can't hit him, he's he's a freaking monster. Well, isn't if you know if Brady isn't his release like three point four? Well, I've got it here. His release time this postseason against the Chargers it was two point three three seconds. Against the Chiefs it was two point five one seconds. You can't get off the ball that quick. Nope. They're, they're, they're essentially going to what? I mean, that's essentially you're going to take these you know these big rushers out of the game, and that's where I was you know, talking about with the Rams. I think we're going to have to see them start kind of backing up, trying to get that those big bodies up, try to get that wingspan going to try to block those passing lanes. And I don't know if that's going to work for them here. The matchup that I am most looking forward to is going to be Julian Edelman, who's got 171 yards out of the slot this postseason. Ram slot corner, Nickel Roby Colbin. He's given up 253 yards on 358 snaps this year. I think he's going to be the most important guy for the Rams to stay in this thing because if if Julian Edelman gets going over the middle and then they start throwing that little flip out to Michelle, it's going to be a very long day for that Rams defense. Well, you know, to talk to the Rams, I know we're real high right now on the Patriots and what, you know, how they're going to execute what their game plan is going to be. And we're talking about that Rams defense. I think the Rams' best defense is going to be able to control that clock offensively. I mean, we're going to have to go back to what we've seen them do in these playoffs that you know, we weren't used to during the regular season, and that's that ground and pound. You know, they were doing some short passing themselves, and they're definitely working out of that backfield in these playoffs. And I think, you know, that's going to be their best chance defensively is just to maintain that ball offensively, keep Brady and his crew off that field. Yep, I agree completely. And the big question becomes, what is the status of Todd Gurley? Of course, inside of the NFC Championship, we saw him spend more time on the sidelines riding a bike than we did inside of the game. Let's talk a little bit about the Rams and kind of their keys to victory. Jared Goff, a rating of 112.3 when they have play action going. Once again, going back to Todd Gurley, he's really the key for the game. Without play action, he has a passer rating of 95. The Patriots play man coverage 56.8% of the time, 72% against Kansas City. Huckleberry, how do you get people out of man coverage? You run the football. Well, you know, it's just going back to what I said. They're going to have to control the ground here. And, but, you know, with that with that typical Rams offense, the pitchers have gotten to see that twice out of Kansas City, and they handled it both times. So you got to believe, you know, they're prepared for that angle from the Rams. Hey, credit to the Rams. They, they're knowing this. You know, they know that people are going to be gearing for them with that high power down the field offense to kind of keep people on their toes. They've been pounding it out here. So I expect them early on in this game, try to control that clock, keep it on the ground, and then maybe in that second half light it up. But I'm still expecting high scoring because I, because I, I really think, you know, I think special teams are going to play a lot into this game. I think we're going to see some big breakout plays there, get some great field positioning. Uh, just really, I think it's going to be some memorable, like a great top 10 just alone in this game. Todd Gurley versus linebacker Dante Hightower for New England. That's going to be a big one. Gurley averaged 47.1 yards per game under Sean McVay receiving. New England gives up about 50 yards a game to opposing teams running backs. If they can get that play action going with CJ and then run Gurley out on the outside, the Rams can absolutely stay in this thing and give New England all kinds of trouble. Well, you know, you're talking even about Gurley. If, if he's limited to action, hey, they're pretty deep in that position, too. They've, they've got some talent. 
when we talk about Brady under pressure, let's take a look at Goff under pressure. Uh, Jared Goff, 59.8 passer rating when under pressure this season, 117.1 when he's clean. Oh yeah, and the Patriots led the league in third down pressure, bringing pressure 45% of the time on third down. I think that's going to be a big story of the game. We saw that New England just ate up Kansas City on third down. If they can get some three and outs, get that ball, and just march down the field with those 11, 12-play drives that go seven, eight minutes, this thing could get ugly for L.A. real quick. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you're looking at – but it goes back to it again. I think, you know, they're going to be able to – to maneuver themselves around that pressure coming there from the Patriots, I think we're going to see a lot of you know your sweeps and kind of swing passes going along there. I, I think the Rams are going to be able to adjust to this Patriots defense. I, I think both defenses are going to struggle in this game. I think this is an interesting number. Tight windows. You know what a tight window is defined as, Huckleberry? A tight window is defined as when you throw the ball, there is a defender within one yard of the wide receiver. All right. In tight windows, Jared Goff, 13.2% of his passes this year. That's it. 13.2%. Fifth lowest amongst all active starters. New England forces tight windows 25% of the time since week 12. Wow. Now that's an interesting, that's one of those like things up, you know, that's a game changer. There's something that someone overlooks. Yes. I'm digging deep. The big thing for the Rams, of course, Brandon Cooks. If Brandon Cooks can get over the top, he I mean, he leads the league in most pass yards off deep passes. And Stephen Gilmore, the New England corner, he's not going to be lining up against Brandon Cooks. What Belichick likes to do is he'll take his best corner and put him against your number two receiver. And then he'll take his shitty corner and put him on your number one receiver with help over the top from the safety. That's how this whole thing is going to work. But what the Rams do, this is absolutely insane to me too. 87% of their snaps this year, three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back. 87% of their snaps this year, three wide out. Well, you got to look at how they've changed, you know, they've changed their game plan throughout the year. I mean, going on early, you know, through the first, I don't know what, two thirds of the season. That's all we saw there. Yeah. I mean, it was just air it out left and right. Right, and now and now they're starting to mix that up a little bit. You got to keep you save some of those wrinkles for late in the season, especially in the playoffs, and then you really got to evolve when you get to a level here, a platform like the Super Bowl. Does being in Atlanta does that actually favor the Rams a little bit? The fact that this is going to be inside of a dome on basically turf, it's going to be absolutely perfect conditions. Uh, I will. I don't think it favors. I think it, it lends to the strengths of the Rams, but I don't think you really, in especially as I'm saying on a stage like the Super Bowl, I don't think anyone has an advantage over the New England Patriots. They they have been how many of these now? Nine. You know, over nine of them now. You know, since this dynasty began, and it began against the Rams here, as we talked about at the top. But I don't think that you could throw. I don't think you could put this game anywhere and say that it's a disadvantage for the Patriots. You could go play this thing in L.A. and make it a Rams home game, and I still think you're you're at an even line. I think if this thing's close, the Rams win. But I think New England's going to rout them. I, I don't think in any, in any scenario where this thing is close, if it's a 10-point, if it's a blowout, I'm going with the Patriots. I just think they got the power to get it done here. So and it... And I really want to see that headline where uh, where Boston owns L.A. once again. Oh, yes. It's it's great. 
You know, and I'm pretty sure that the Patriots will be the first team to eliminate two teams from the same city in the same set of playoffs. Uh, yes, I think that was a stat that we checked out. Was This is the first time that we've had a World Series and Super Bowl represented by the same cities, and the first time that one team has knocked out two representatives from the same city. But, of course, we know that the Patriots are not from Boston. They know Boston sucks, so they moved to Foxborough. Let's talk about Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis currently, as I check my phone, of the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, but, Rick, he wants out. He doesn't want to be in New Orleans no more. And this, uh, unfortunately, seeming like it's becoming a trend in New Orleans. First we saw it with Chris Paul, and now we're seeing it with Anthony Davis. Uh one of the big parts of the story that not nearly enough ta- people are talking about here, uh, Anthony Davis signed with Clutch Sports back in September. He actually has LeBron's agency group as his agents. That's why the Lakers are getting thrown around here. That's why it seems a foregone conclusion that Anthony Davis is going to end up a Laker. We have known this inside of the Lakers community for a very long time now. Rick, the trade deadline is February 7th. Do you make a move for Anthony Davis here, or do you just try to ride this damn thing out? You know, I was going to say, uh, not really a good week, week and a half for uh, the sports fans down in NOLA. I mean, you're sitting there, you're still so sour on what happened to the Saints, and now your perennial all-star in the NBA, he wants the hell out of town here. Not a good week down there in the Bayou, or a week and a half in the Bayou. Interesting question here. You know, you brought up he assigned with LeBron's group, and now we're getting all the speculation. You know, is there some kind of inside tampering? Or are they trying to manipulate a maneuver here or force their hand with the Pelicans? Trade deadline coming up here just a little over a week away. Great question. What do you really do with him here? I'd almost be inclined to sit on this deal. Well, I, if I do Orleans, I'm going to sit on this thing as long as possible. Right. I, I want to sit on this thing because you, you don't, you, no one has to force your hand right now. He is, he is contractually obligated to you. You do not want someone to come in to feel that you're being pressured here by this new agency that, and, and anything linked to LeBron in the NBA is going to bring on a lot of pressure, uh, to even, to anyone, even if you're the commissioner. If LeBron's sitting there breathing down your neck, you got even the perception that LeBron is breathing down your neck. It, you panic a little bit. They need to sit back, remain cool and calm, and, and make the move that is best for their franchise. I mean, it's obviously he is gone here, but there is a very talented pool coming out in this next year's draft. You position yourself there. You don't want to pull the trigger and, and bring it someone that's not really going to fit your system going forward. I think this is one of those where you kind of sit back and try to and try to call another you know another card dealer or another card player's bluff. Well, I'm looking at this from from. A couple of different perspectives. Uh, number one, this is not an expiring contract this year. You kind of alluded to that. And so many times when we see this, it becomes rent a player. And it's, you know, right at the deadline, we're going to move right. you to a contender. Your contract expires, and then you go and do whatever you want in free agency. That's not the case here. Yeah, they can sit on this thing. Yeah, so that absolutely plays into it. The other reason, if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans, there's no chance I'm doing this because Boston can't even do this right now. Boston is a major player here, but thanks to some stupid, fluky Derek Rose rule, 
they can't even trade for Anthony Davis right now, even though they have the assets to do it. They can't do that until the offseason. So if I'm New Orleans, right now I have one bidder, and that one bidder is the Los Angeles Lakers. Now you can drive up the price there if the Lakers are dumb enough to give you what you're asking for, which we'll talk about here in just a second. But Boston has all kinds of assets right now. I would absolutely wait until the offseason. There's no chance I'm moving him before this trade deadline because I want Boston involved. Where, where are the Pelicans sitting at record-wise? Um, I can look it up here real quick. I just had it up, and I've moved it away to look at something for baseball. Uh, but, yeah, it, but, you know, if but you're talking about unless L.A. really wants to give you, like, the, the top the top of, you know, the top of the chain there for, for what, the, what you're, they're getting from you. But you ultimately, I mean, what is that though? I mean, outside of LeBron, how deep? I mean, how attractive is is that is that cupboard that they're that they've got? Well, right now, New Orleans stands at twenty three and twenty eight. They're thirteen and a half games out of first place. They're five games out of the eighth spot in the Western Conference playoffs. Which, of course, you know, wins you the honor of playing Golden State and getting your ass whipped in the first round. Uh, as far as the Lakers go, what I am hearing reported, New Orleans is like, yeah, you can have Anthony Davis, but we want Kyle Kuzma and we want Josh Hart and we want Brandon Ingram and we want Lonzo Ball and we want your number one pick next year. Go fuck yourself. That ain't happening, man. That's literally yeah, the not? whole franchise. Yeah, if, but if you want to make that move, I mean, that's them saying, hey, you're not going to dictate. You're not going to bully and push us around. This is our demand. They just threw out – they. Hey, they up the ante right there. They're playing with a with a loaded hand. They that's how they gotta play ball here. They gotta be bulldogs in this thing. And I'm even looking at some of the names you name up for the Lakers in return. I think those are just more bait to try to go fill up on more draft picks for next year. I'm looking at this draft that's gonna be who's gonna be available in this thing. That's gonna change this entire dynamic. I'll give you Lonzo. I'll give you Hart. We're keeping Kuzma and Ingram. That's that's the way I feel about it anyway. Although Kuzma is out right now with then, a hip, and then you get it, then you get a click. I say no deal. I'll sit on him. I don't need to do this right now. I can go yep. back later and talk to Boston. I can open up negotiations with the Knicks. There's going to be plenty of other suitors come the off season, and we're not going to. We don't have to bow down to King LeBron and Magic Johnson and the L.A. Lakers right now. So let's talk about a couple of the other players that are out there for Anthony Davis. Uh, of course, we talked about Boston. Big Ray Hernandez and the New York Knicks, they seemingly are in play here. But I'm telling you, if I'm the Knicks, I, it sounds like in order to get this deal done, you've got to part with Porzingis. And I don't think I want to d- part with Porzingis just to get Anthony Davis. Well, and I, you know, I'm sitting here looking at some of the stats here with Davis. I, I know it's when you're looking at these super teams, yeah, he's a great addition here. I don't really know how attractive is a marquee spot he's got anymore. In New York, they need something major right now. And that, that easily could come with the number one draft pick. You know, because as we very well know, there is an absolute stud sitting down in Durham, North Carolina, playing for the Duke Blue Devils that is ready to explode onto the scene in the NBA that you could absolutely build a franchise around. And of course, you know, we're talking about a player that it's built like LeBron who plays like magic, an absolute stud. Yep, Zion is an absolute freak. A couple of other ones that are out there, uh, the Toronto Raptors, if they can put together a, a, a deal to go out and get Anthony Davis. 
Could you do Kawhi Leonard for Anthony Davis if you're Toronto? Yeah, I guess I could see that one. But, but again, you know, with with Leonard, you really got to make sure you got an atmosphere he wants to be in, man, because it's just been problematic after you know after problem here. You know, I'm even thinking, well, let's go back to, you know, what we've got here, that this all could be a swerve and a work. We've got the, you know, back together again. It seems like they made up that Kyrie wants to go to L.A. I mean, is this an all roundabout way? Like, you know, we always talk about, you know, like a magician, look over here. But what we really got going on over here on the left side, this is this is an interesting an interesting storyline we got developing. You know, I love Kyrie as a player, but as a human being, I'm really starting to wonder about that kid. Uh, another dark horse for Anthony Davis, and I think this one would be probably the sexiest fit, would be Anthony Davis going to Denver and joining up with the Nuggets. The Nuggets are having quite the impressive season here, Huckleberry. If they were to add Anthony Davis, they might actually be able to make a run here, but of course it's a run-a-player kind of system. The most intriguing possibility to me, <clears throat> selfishly, I want Anthony Davis to go to the Chicago Bulls. You know, again, though, you go back and look at the history. Ever since that great dynasty in the 90s, though, they just haven't been able to connect when you bring in a star player like that. You know, something just doesn't work, and it falls off the track. And you you got to think about that. And I know they got a, a good young team, but even this year, they, they can't even get on the same page anywhere up there. I mean, how many coaches do we need to go through? We got, like, a civil war going on in Chicago. You, you thought the gang wars were bad up there in the streets. You thought Adam Rivera, you know, was out throwing it down. And they're the Bulls, man. They can't even keep it together. Well, no, it's not that I think that it makes the Bulls good. I just think that it's interesting. That's what I'm going for here. I just want interesting because the Bulls just made the move for Carmelo Anthony, which was absolutely terrible. I love Carmelo Anthony. He's one of my favorite players in history, but he his knees are gone. He's basically become a run to a spot on the floor and shoot guy, which is why everybody thought that he would work in Houston. He can't create his own shot anymore. That's the problem with Melo. But you throw Anthony Davis into that, there's nobody else around that team. You know it's going to be mass chaos. They're the number three, two, whatever the hell they are, media market in the country at this point. I just want mass chaos in Chicago because I enjoy it. Okay, then, all right. Then let's just take it one step further here. They can't keep a coach around right now, so let's just go ahead and name Dennis Rodman the next head coach of the Chicago Bulls. Let's bring in all these characters. The Chicago Circus, it'll, hey, it'll be the biggest ratings draw in the NBA. The, the most talked about happening. Hey, I'm down with you there. And hey, make I'm Kim waiting. Jong-un the general manager. I'm still waiting on. Oh, oh my God, yes. Can you see him up in the in the private box? No, no more American National Anthem in the pregames. We're doing the North Korean. You know, we're going to have fucking tanks and bombs going down the floor at the United Center. Yeah, give oh me that. God. Hey, 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 we already had a tank, man. You can't be ripping off Jackie Moon. <laughs> LeBron hopefully expected back Thursday. Lakers 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Still a game and a half back of the 8th spot in the West. Obviously, if they can pull off this deal and get Anthony Davis over there without basically foregoing the rest of the franchise for the next decade, do they even become a player in the West? Does adding Anthony Davis, without giving anything up, just adding Anthony Davis to the Lakers, does that make them any better? Yeah, it's just funny, you know, here when you got LeBron and we're talking about how he's trying to use his his pool and all this to manipulate this system or just the perception that he is, anything he's involved with there. 
it's just it, to me, it's just it, it thinks of when we always talk about like the greatest and all that. We can look at his stats, you know, look what he's done, how athletically gifted he is. This is what is the detriment to that, you know, that he feels that he has to try to manipulate this system to even be a contender here. Hey, and you know, hey, you know, times are getting hard out there. You said, you know, they're looking in at, you know, they're on the outside looking in. You can tell it's getting LeBron. On. How about him sneaking an unmarked bottle over on that sideline the other day? Uh, supposedly drinking, sipping on some of his favorite wine during the game. Absolutely ridiculous. That, that was not that was not a uh, team logoed or a league official water bottle he was using. Yeah, that that it's kind of becoming a circus out there amongst the Lakers. Huckleberry, let's go ahead. Let's wrap up on this. I'm wearing my my Yankee blues today. I wanted to talk a little bit about Mo. Mariano Rivera selected to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, the first unanimous selection. And Mo is getting heat for this. People are going after Mo for being the first well, unanimous I, selection. And it ain't Mo's fault. Well, I was going to say, I don't think it's necessary that it's Rivera that's getting the heat. It's just, it's the old school in this. You know, no one has gotten this before. And I don't think in anyone's, you know, stretch of imagination when we're talking about the greatest baseball players of all time you know he's not going to be in that top 10 he should be but when we're talking about you know his position yeah he certainly is he's the greatest closer and we're talking pitchers but i mean it's so hard to compare when we just throw out the greatest players of all time you're naturally going to you know go back to the old schools your luke garrix your babe Ruth, things like that it's just it's just in nature is it is there another even they player? didn't get this honor but you know it's actually it, it's about time and i think if you're going to have someone break that mold this is the right individual to do that. I thought it should have been Ken Griffey Jr. a couple of years ago. He he was the closest. There were three people that voted against Ken Griffey Jr. going into the was, Hall of Fame. And that was all because of that old school mentality. And I think this is just a changing of the guard. We're seeing people let up. It, it, here, what's the problem? You know, and here's one issue with the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Is the they're writers. always well, it's not even set up that writer thing. There's this mentality like, well, you have to yeah, you did all this. You, you had all these great accomplishments on the field. You're going to be remembered forever, but you still somehow have to pay your dues to get into the hall. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't. They got this mentality. On the flip side, you go to the NFL. They can't wait to get their stars in because they know it's a more of attraction for the Hall of Fame event. People want to go to it. They're excited for it. Where baseball's got this. Yeah, you were okay then, but uh, we're going to make you got to pay more dues now in retirement before we accept you into, you know, into this special fraternity. So joining Mo in the hall this year, Edgar Martinez, 85.4% of the votes, Roy Holiday, 85.4%, and Mike Mussina, 76.7%. Talking about Mo, you talk about the top 10 players of all time. Okay, well, to me, one through nine is going to be your starting positions on the field. So you take the best player at every individual position. And then if your team is up by one and it's the top of the ninth and there's a runner on first and second and there's only one out, can you name me another pitcher in baseball history that you want coming in other than Mo? I think though, what I think you kind of answered your question. If you're going to put in that one slot and you're doing position players, I assume you don't mean starting pitching. A starting pitcher is going to jump that because they did all the work. Well, he, would one be, through. he would be one of the one through nine. So you'd have that error. So the starting pitcher you're counting as a rare position. So to me, the, any anywhere on the pitching staff is separate from you know the other eight that are out there. They're just in different classes. Yeah, but 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 again, you know, if we're looking at you know from a pitching standpoint. There's a lot in front of him because they did work one through, you know, eight and three quarters usually. Yeah. And that's not to take anything away. It was amazing. And, his, and, and to thrive in the moments he did and accomplish what he did, you no know, no one else can, is ever going to be able to match that. I mean, he is 
you know, he has set the bar, you know, the poor, you know, anyone. Look at the Yankees now. I mean, they got some great talent there, but you can't live up to what Mo is, and no one's ever going to be able to do that. It's ridiculous. The, the thing that makes Mariano Rivera just so amazing to me is the one thing that gets lost on everybody that didn't watch him on a regular basis. He threw one pitch. That was it. One pitch. A two-seam fastball. That was it. That was the only pitch that Mariano Rivera knew how to throw. And he threw it like, you know, 93, 94 miles an hour. Nothing like you're seeing now where the guy's going out there throwing gas at 102. It was just you couldn't hit the motherfucker. That's all it came down to. You could not hit Mo. Well, then it gets to a point, you know, where it's about swagger. And he knew how to own oh, that moment. Oh, man. You know, when he came in, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, like what we heard from Ronda Rousey this past Monday. You know, any mound that he was on, he owned. And any ground beneath his feet belonged to him. Yep. And and the batter knew that. Yep. And, and the Yankees knew we only got to play for eight innings. Because if we're ahead at the end of the eighth inning, all we got to do is bring in Mo, and this thing's over. It's over. Other team might as well pack up their shit and go home. Uh, left out of the Hall of Fame again this year, although they're approaching 60%, which is a bit higher than I ever thought that they would get to, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. Uh, to me, Roger Clemens is my favorite starting pitcher of all time. I was a huge Roger Clemens mark, even though he played for fucking Boston. They've got three years left. Huckleberry, you think any chance they get in? Uh, you know what? I'm sitting here, I'm just thinking... One of them probably gets in the last year, but I don't know which of the two. I think maybe the numbers, the accomplishments, the, the accolades, all that, maybe bonds. Possibly. I don't know, but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, these guys brought a lot of, I guess what is perceived now as bad press, but in the moment, man, was baseball ever hotter? Man, I mean, I, I, I love the rocket. I absolutely loved Roger Clemens, even when he was just, fishing in Boston. You know, just the attitude that he always had. He probably oh, was yeah. talking about swagger and owning it, man. He had, he, like, you know, on our wrestling shows, I always talk about just having true mega star qualities. He did, man. He, he was like an Okada. When he walked out there, you knew something special was going to happen. And, you know, Bonds had a little bit of himself. You know, he was more, but he was kind of like that asshole persona that you kind of, at the time, you that, that you love to hate. But these guys forget how good Bonds was when he was playing in Pittsburgh. Before all of the steroids and the insane muscle growth and everything, he was a really good right. ball player. Well, you, you think about maybe if people were more relatable to the kid and Jeffrey King Jeffrey Jr. He was he was that type of player back then, yeah. you know, where everyone thought you know every he was going to own every record the way it was. Uh, then it ends up you know we have all the scandal that, um, on the backside of him there. But I don't even care. You know, going back to even like McGuire and Sosa, I remember you know I'm in my in high school years, so are you. You know, out at work at a park on a busy day on a lake, you know, we're putting people in and out of boats, renting bikes. Everyone would stop because you'd have to have the radio on when either one of them came to bat. Everyone would stop. I mean, baseball had never been hotter. And most importantly, you know, unless you want to go back, go back to like, I don't know, like far, far before we were born. But well, in I our lifetime, baseball had never been hotter. And most importantly, that was coming out of the strike, too. That was the thing. Nobody was complaining at the baseball offices when these guys were jacking up homers because of the strike year and everybody was pissed off at baseball. They single-handedly put the asses in seats and brought baseball back from the dead. Hey, man, I'm all about the ping of the bat, man. Give these guys aluminums and just let them just go out there and destroy it. Juice up however you want. You're going to get the money, but just don't come don't come complaining later when you've got liver failure. I always sit down and 
down in Cincinnati at Great American Man or at Riverfront. I wanted to see balls landing in Kentucky. The hell with this stuff, man. Speaking of Cincinnati, Pete should be in the Hall of Fame, too. Uh, another guy left off, and, and this one just kind of, I maybe it was just my own personal attachment. We'll have that argument one day, man. Even a Cincinnati guy, I don't think he has any business being there. Oh, that, that, that sounds like a whole nother episode. Uh, Fred McGriff, 39.8% of the vote, misses the vote, and he will now move to the Veterans Committee, as this was his last year. Huggleberry, were you a fan of the crime dog? I just not like the crime dog, man. He was, he was one of those players that you just kind of gravitated towards. But, you know, as looking, you know, looking at some of the stats and, you know, where he played at, I think, you know, him falling off, you know, falling short just again here, I think it's more of, it's a circumstance where he was positioned, where he played. He was in that transition between the eighties and nineties, you know, that you start seeing the boom and your power hitting first baseman. You had some other hotter names there over him. I think what really hurts him is falling short of that 500 home run club. And then I think he does get a little bit, he gets grouped in a little bit with that, that scandal era. See, that's seems completely unwarranted in my mind. Well, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just trying to break down, you know, maybe what these individuals are seeing here. I think one of the big things that Fred McGriff suffers from is his best years with his most exposure were in Atlanta, and he was like the sixth or seventh best player on that team. Even though he had a legitimate Hall of Fame career, he was the sixth or seventh best player on that team. When you start looking at that's when Atlanta was hot and that thing was loaded. And a lot of that credit goes to that starting pitching rotation that they had. Smoltz and Glavin and... One of the best of our generation, unquestionably. Uh, Then you kind of look at, you look around who was on that team, man. I mean, they were loaded. How did they not win more? I mean, they 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 were the Buffalo Bills. They make it to the show and then they choke. Well, it's I would say choke. It just shows you how hard it is to win a championship in these in major sports. Yeah, there is that. Of course, unless you're a Yankee. Because then we do it like, you know, on average every four years. Suck it! So that's going to wrap things up for this week's episode of HTM Sports. Thanks for watching and or listening at hittingthemarks.podbean.com. We'll be back here next Tuesday to talk all about the Super Bowl. And God knows I'll pull some kind of crazy stat out of my ass that nobody else is talking about. Until then, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo Huckleberry. How do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? Well, as always, you can keep up with all things RBV across all social media platforms at The Real RBV. We'll talk to you Friday on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, hittingthemarks.podbean.com. That's it for this week. Jargo out.